0: good evening, everyone. It's uh, it's really good to be with you. Um, As Matt said, my name is Ben. I'm the Assistant Minister here at St. Joseph's. And um, uh, if you're here for the first time, let me say we're really glad uh, that you're here. It's great to have you with us. Uh, A while back, there was an American TV series, you might have heard of it, called Fear Factor, uh, in which contestants had to decide if they had the guts and determination to face their fears uh, for $50,000. So, for example, uh, one lady hated flies, and so she had to, if you flick on, she had to put her head into a box of 300,000 flies. Uh, Now, let me ask, would you do that for $50,000? Put your hand up uh, if you do that. Yeah, I I don't think that's too bad. I mean, they're only flies, aren't they? Come on, $50,000, I would be straight in there. Uh, But um, uh, here's one of the other challenges that that they had. Would you eat three sheep eyes in three minutes for $50,000? Who, who would do that? Stick your hand up. De- definitely, definitely a few less on that one. But I think I would be there. I would, I would, I would just close my eyes and go for it. It'd be worth it. Um, OK, what about this one? Next up, would you lie in a coffin full of snakes for five minutes for $50,000? Put your hand up. <laughs> There's not many hands going up now. I, I feel like I can't even look at that photo, let alone get in the, get in the box with them. I, I think that would have me. I wouldn't be there. Um, last but not least, I'm not sure if, if this one's uh, better or worse, actually, but this, this isn't a dead spider. This is, would you eat a spider that is alive? I mean, that photo is grim, isn't it? Uh, that is awful. Um, I feel like we still need a heads up for that. Who would, who would do that with $50,000 Rob was straight up there, Rob's straight in there, brilliant, fantastic, fair enough, um, brilliant. Um, what, what would be your worst challenge? I wonder what would be your worst nightmare like that? Uh, what fear would just have you shiver, uh, quaking in your boots? And more seriously, what, what is your biggest fear? Now that's our theme today, uh, because let's face it, apart from maybe the odd nightmare about snakes, uh, they're probably not the thing that keeps us up at night, uh, struggling to sleep. Uh, so what is your biggest fear? Uh, I know some of us are super laid back, uh, some of us are a bit more prone to anxiety, uh, but all of us have fears. Uh, maybe it's a, a fear for our future, uh, about what it might look like, uh, maybe it's what we'll do with our life, uh, or what our exam results might be like in the summer. Or maybe it's uh, simply, whether uh, we'll have somewhere to live uh, and whether we'll be able to put food on the table. Uh, we might have fears about other people, uh, fears about what people will think of us, uh, or fears uh, for our family or our children. We might worry about our health or the health of others. Now, I wonder what comes to mind for you. Now imagine that uh, some of those things uh, might feel fairly within our control. Uh, but there'll be other things uh, that are either partly out of our control or completely out of our control, Uh, maybe just plain beyond our ability. You've probably spotted that. Our culture says to us, "Uh, you can do anything, just believe in yourself, Uh, which in some ways is helpful because you need to believe in something to do it. But um, I saw an advert um, from Northumbria University the other day uh, that just said in massive capital letters, you are limitless. And that's just simply not true, is it? In Paul's letter uh, to the Corinthians, he writes this. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Uh, Paul makes it clear that his burdens and troubles, uh, the the things they were facing, were, were way beyond their strength. Now, I wonder if you've ever felt like that. And the fact is, we will face things in life at some point that feel beyond us. How are we to face those fears? What would Jesus say into those things? Uh, well, uh, in our Bible passage today, uh, I think Jesus' disciples are actually starting to feel a bit afraid. You might not have actually noticed that before, in this passage if you've seen it before. Uh, We're fairly early on in Jesus' ministry, uh, but already some of the religious leaders of the day uh, have had enough of him. Uh, He's showing them up, and they want rid of him. And we also read at the start of the chapter that uh, Jesus uh, is getting well-known or even notorious in the area, and so thousands of people are showing up to hear from him. But the fact that Jesus starts to talk about fear makes me think that Maybe his disciples are starting to feel a little bit afraid of their association with Jesus. They didn't want to get on the the wrong side of the local leaders, and these huge crowds want to hear from Jesus now, but what if they suddenly don't like what they hear and turn against him? Maybe the disciples suddenly felt very visible. I mean, imagine if you're just suddenly in the newspaper headlines, even for good reasons, you'd feel a bit exposed, wouldn't you? But into this fear uh, do you see what Jesus says to them uh, it's there in verse 4 he says I tell you my friends do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do earlier I asked uh, what your fears are uh, but if I was to say uh, what is the worst thing that could happen uh, well I think being killed would be pretty high up there wouldn't it Surely that's the worst thing that could happen. But even into that fear, Jesus says to them, do not fear. Back when I was younger, there was this clothing brand called No Fear. I have no idea if people still wear it. But it was all about being fearless, particularly with massive bike stunts or skateboard tricks. But saying, no fear, even in the face of being killed... Well, that seems pretty nuts, doesn't it? You think, really, Jesus? Do you really mean that? Now, before we go any further, I want to say that the Bible doesn't minimize fear. Uh, Nearly every godly character in the Bible faces fear at some points. God doesn't say that our fears are irrational uh, or silly. Uh, Fear is very real, isn't it? And it can be incredibly hard when we are in a tough situation or overcome with fear. But into those fears, uh, Jesus gently but firmly says, Do not be afraid. Uh, And it's a message that's repeated again and again throughout the Bible. Uh, Right back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, uh, God says, I am the God of your father Abraham. Uh, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Uh, In the book of Joshua, uh, we read this Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Uh, And even soon before Jesus dies, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And that's only a small selection of where the Bible says, don't be afraid. You might be thinking, that's all very well. Uh, It's kind of like a nice pep talk before a game of rugby or something, uh, where you say, come on, don't be afraid, guys. Get stuck in, no fear. But how is it actually possible in reality uh, when life is beyond us? Now, we'll have a look at what Jesus says to the disciples in the next verse, in verse 5. He says, Don't fear those who might kill you, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. What Jesus says is, Fear is the antidote to fear. Fear is the antidote to fear. Okay, I know that sounds a bit weird, uh, but bear with me. Uh, What Jesus is saying is that we need to replace our fear with a greater fear. Uh, In the book of uh, Exodus we read this amazing account of uh, God's people standing before uh, Mount Sinai, this big mountain uh, and God is at the top of the mountain in in thunder and lightning Uh, and the people are trembling with fear uh, as they see God on the mountain. Uh, They get a sense of how awesome and majestic he is. Uh, They realize they do not have the resources in themselves to face God. Uh, And the fear of God uh, drives out all other fear as they stand before him. You see, the solution to to wrong fear is not no fear, but right fear. The fear of God. Uh, I had the privilege a few months ago of being in the Alps, uh, in the big mountains, uh, which I love. Uh, and in the mountains, uh, there's lots of things that can uh, cause fear. Uh, uh, whether it's big drops, uh, Maria wouldn't like those. Uh, Rock fall, uh, speed, uh, if you're on a bike or on skis. Uh, but when we were there, uh, we suddenly heard this huge noise. Uh, and there was this massive avalanche uh, coming down the mountain opposite us. Um, here's a photo that I took. And um, even though it was kind of far enough away that there wasn't any danger, uh, the sheer scale and power of it uh, just stopped us in our tracks. Uh, everybody around just stopped uh, and stared. There was this huge noise. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, that mountain there is 4,000 meters, and the scale of it is just massive. Uh, it's transfixing. And that's a kind of like a small picture of um, what it's like when we really get how awesome God is. Uh, It just stops us in our tracks. Uh, We stop looking at how small we are uh, and how big our fears seem. uh, And we start looking at how awesome and great God is. And we realize that he is so much bigger than our fears. but so often we don't have a big enough view of God. Here's how uh, John T. Alcock, uh, a Christian author, puts it. It's up on the screen. Our natural tendency is to shrink God and rely on ourselves. That is what leads to a life of fear and anxiety. It is the foolishness of human sin. Uh, We place ourselves on the throne, And then wonder why we are stressed all the time. We are trying to sit in a place where we're not designed to sit. We are not heavy enough to cope with the reality of life and death. But to fear God means to recognize how heavy and awesome he is. And to let him take his rightful place. Replacing our fears with the fear of God means we look beyond ourselves, beyond our situations. To the one who has all power now we lift our eyes and we're humbled and awestruck by his awesome majesty and power but maybe you're thinking okay uh, but I've now just got an even greater fear thanks a bunch Uh, and let's face it if we go back to our passage in Luke Jesus does say fear him who has authority to cast into hell he's saying actually there is something that's far worse than being killed Uh, there is something to fear there's being on the wrong side of that awesome God Uh, and there's being cast away from him for eternity Uh, the Bible tells us that we all have a tendency to push him away Uh, even after he's made us uh, and given us so much uh, it's worse than pushing good loving parents away And that is the biggest issue any of us can face. That's the biggest thing that we should be worried about. But the great news is this, there is a secure fear of God uh, that leaves us confident and at peace even in the midst of trials. Uh, And even as we stand before him and see how awesome he is. Uh, Do you see what Jesus says in the next verse, uh, in verse six? He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your heads are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sparrows were super cheap back then. You could buy two for a penny. And even they are not forgotten by God, Jesus says. Uh, But as for human beings, as for you and me, God knows the very hairs on our heads. Here's a random fact. Uh, Apparently red-haired people have 90,000 hairs on their heads, uh, but blonde-haired people, uh, approximately, obviously not exactly 90,000, but blonde-haired people have 145,000. Seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? Uh, But who knew that? I certainly didn't. Uh, But here's what Jesus says. He says, God knows that. God knows that. Uh, He knows exactly how many hairs we have on our heads. He knows how many hairs we have now, and he knows how many hairs on our head we'll have at the end of our days. Maybe none. He has a caring, intimate, detailed knowledge of every one of us. The Bible tells us we are made in the image of God. Uh, We have great value compared to the sparrows. We are greatly loved by him. So much so that this this awesome, majestic God uh, was willing to send his son down and give his life for us. Uh, Rather than punishing us uh, for pushing him away, he he gave his son to save us. Uh, Jesus faced up to what could have been a completely overwhelming fear, uh, the fear of death on the cross. Uh, He went forward trusting that the Father is good And in control. And he faced our sin uh, and our death and our enemies at the cross. Uh, And he won a great victory over them. Uh, He died and he rose again, so that when we raise our eyes and and see God's awesome, terrifying majesty, uh, we do not need to fear him. Uh, We don't need to fear him as an enemy, uh, but instead we can come to him as our awesome heavenly Father. We do not need to fear him as an enemy, but instead, we can come to him as our loving father. Rather than uh, running away from him, uh, we can run to him and we can rest in him and know he is good and in control and bigger than anything that we can face. One of my uh, kids' favorite games is the Dally Monster game. You might have played it, uh, where Dally suddenly turns into a super scary Daddy Monster. I thought you'd, all be, running o- <laughs> I thought you'd be running away at that point. Um, but um, a friend of mine uh, was telling me uh, that he was playing uh, this game with his kids, uh, and he burst into the room, and the Dally Monster was a bit too scary, uh, and his little daughter uh, burst into tears. Uh, but what did she do? She was so scared that she, she didn't run away, uh, but she ran to the Dali Munster. And she, uh, she gave him a massive hug, uh, and she felt safe, because she knew that that was actually the safest place. Uh, God is big and scary and awesome, but if we trust in Jesus' death, Uh, Then we can run into God's arms, uh, whatever we face, and know that we are secure for eternity. Even if we're killed like Jesus says, we're secure. Even if we get a diagnosis of a terminal illness, we're secure. And that's what Maria was saying she experienced, wasn't it? And the most foolish thing to do is to ignore that. In fact, straight after this passage in Luke, uh, Jesus makes that point. He tells the story of a a rich man who stores up more and more uh, so that he can put his feet up and and live an easy life and have no worries, or at least he thinks he has no worries. Uh, But his life is taken from him, and he's left with nothing. Uh, He thinks he has no worries, but he loses everything in the end. Uh, because he's ignored God. But if instead uh, we put our trust in God, we can be confident that he knows at every moment uh, what is happening to us, and we can rest in him with a secure fear. He says to us, whatever is going on, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, And he teaches us to trust him, let me say though it's, it's not always easy uh, a close family member of mine was in hospital only a couple of weeks ago uh, and it's not easy to trust God uh, many of us will know of sleepless nights uh, questions going around our heads uh, painful tears this isn't a quick fix uh, but friends you see the, bat- the battle isn't to try and be braver uh, or to stop making a fuss Uh, The battle is about seeing our good and sovereign gods more clearly. Back at the start, I mentioned the Apostle Paul uh, saying that they were under great pressure. Uh, he He wrote this, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. But have a look at how he continues. He says this, But this happens. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Our default is to rely on ourselves, isn't it? Uh, And sometimes it's only when we realize that we can't, that we finally run to God, uh, to the God who has the power to raise the dead. And these situations are an opportunity to learn to trust God and to fear him. He is heavy enough. And he has the resources for every situation. And so when we do that, uh, then we can approach things uh, like this. Uh, Rather than thinking, oh no, what will I do? What can I do? What is going to happen to me uh, or to them? Uh, We can run into God's arms uh, and we can say, Father God, I'm sorry that I've tried to handle my fears on my own and I've pushed you away. Uh, Lord, this is tough. How are you and your sovereignty going to work this out? I don't know. Uh, But I look to the cross and I'm so glad that I am of such great value to you. I'm so glad that you are good and in control even when things look bleak. Help me to rightly fear you and to trust you. Well, I thought it might be good to finish by praying that prayer together. Uh, maybe you're someone here and you want to pray that for the first time. and uh, That would be a great thing to do. Uh, maybe you're someone who wants to recommit yourselves to that. Uh, or maybe you just want to bring a particular situation or fear to the Lord with that prayer. Uh, well, if you feel able to, uh, let's pray these words together. They're up on the screen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, I'm sorry that I've tried to handle my fears on my own and I've pushed you away. Lord, this is tough. How are you in your sovereignty going to work this out? I don't know, but I look to the cross. And I'm so glad that I am of such great value to you. I'm so glad that you are good and in control, even when things look bleak. Help me to rightly fear you and to trust you. Amen.